Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. So now getting out of your comfort zone means learning to cope with mistakes and setbacks. And what that means is about being resilient. And in fact, one of the things I hear from senior leaders regularly is that they give feedback that they wish their teams and their organization was more, quote, resilient, particularly given the current times of change and uncertainty and chaos and complexity, all the things that you've been hearing about without a doubt. The question for today is, what does that mean, be more resilient? And why? And for those of you who've heard enough of mental health, as in sleep well, eat well, what else is it that you need to be doing that's going to help you develop resilience? So my guest today is Dr. Marie Helene Peltier, better known to her colleagues and to me now as MH. Um, She's a psychologist with a systems mind. She has both a PhD and an MBA, 20 years experience as a practicing psychologist and a senior leader in corporate insurance, governance, and healthcare sectors. But MH's unique talent is really bringing together the workplace and the psychology, translating those concepts into key takeaways that people can apply immediately. So, The book we're talking about today is called The Resilience Plan, A Strategic Approach to Optimizing Your Work Performance and Your Health, Mental Health. Welcome to the show, MMH. Oh, thank you, Wanda. Really happy to be here. I'm delighted to have you, and I am sure everybody is saying, okay, 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 so tell me about this. But I want to start, I usually start with, why does it matter? I'm not. I'm going to hold that. What I want to start with this time is a cynic, skeptic point of view, which is what I am hearing from everybody I talk to. So, you know, mental health month is coming up and everybody's thinking about what am I going to do for mental health and how can we improve mental health? And people are saying to me, I don't want to hear again, eat well, sleep well, and exercise. I got it. I can't. And I, or it isn't working. And I think what people are struggling with is just the volume of work, that it's overwhelming, the volume of responsibilities. So what, why should we pay attention to you versus all those other people who said eat well, sleep well, and meditate, by the way? Yes, yes. Well, we still want to listen to all of these guidelines. They are research-based. There's, um, they're absolutely True, they're correct. If only we could implement all these strategies and the others that are often recommended by by research, that would be wonderful. And to your point, we know them. We've heard about them. We could write the list. <laughs> we could write the list. The problem is not in knowing, it's in implementing. And if, when it comes to implementing, we need a new approach because clearly we all have way more information about this. And we know that Our psychological health is not even the same as before. It's less. The burnout rates are increasing. So there is a disconnect, a striking disconnect between the information we have and what actually happens in our lives. And so we need a different approach, hence being strategic about it. The same way we are strategic about what we do in our businesses. All right. So some of the same kind of tools 
We clearly know those work. Yes, meditation, I mean, I agree with you. The research is crystal clear that that's an effective practice if you can put it in. Okay. And so does sleeping well and a whole host of other things. Um, I want to talk for a minute about this moment in time. Darren Overfield and I, about a year and a half ago, wrote an article about the aftermath of COVID. So yes, I think everybody's workload has dramatically increased with all the changes and the anxieties and the, what does this mean? And what do I do? And I'm doing four and five jobs. But in addition, we've severed so many social connections and COVID was a global trauma. And I think people are experiencing the aftermath of a traumatic event in the same, some of the same ways as we would talk about any traumatic event. I granted it's not quite the same as being in a civil war, but um, the impact on your body is some of the same. So, you know, I think some of the symptoms we're seeing currently in people's mental health is part of what we've been through. Now, I'm interested in your reaction. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Significant impact from going through a pandemic. It would be considered a chronic stressor, one that was there early, during, and continues to be there after. And we have other chronic stressors happening at the same time. Other things are happening in the world, some of them closer to some of us, some of them not so close, but still in the overall um, uh, consciousness uh, and, and the information and the news we see. And so it, that is one, and there are others, and they linger. They're there over time, and they add to all the other demands that we're facing in our professional lives and in our personal lives. And having that realistic awareness that these all represent demands is very important. In addition, to noticing the positive things happening in our personal, professional, and on the planet, that even if they are positive, will at times represent demands. You're getting this promotion you've been wanting. It's very positive. You've wanted it. You've worked towards it. It's a demand. You're changing your uh, relationship. You're getting married. Very exciting. You've wanted this. Even if it's a simple wedding, it will still be a demand. And so we want to be realistic about where our energy is going, because it's limited. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I love the language too. You do this in the book to talk about the demands that are on our lives, our personal lives and our work lives. So from the external world and from us personally, we'll come to that one in this notion of the strategic plan. All right, so the approach from you is not just let's follow the research. It's much more, let's get realistic about creating a strategic set of actions that are actually going to work, okay? Yes. Now, people make New Year's resolutions and all sorts of resolutions all the time, and they never implement them. Why is your plan going to work? <laughs> I know. Um, it's a plan that works because it is uh, individual and personalized to each person that goes through it. So the analogy for this whole idea really came from the work I was doing and continue to be doing with uh, people I work with, audiences and individuals, many of whom are professionals and leaders. And the analogy I started with is, okay, well, wait a second, because they were coming to me saying, I have no idea why I'm feeling the way I am right now. Nothing has changed. I've always been able to handle this. What's what's the deal? Like, why? And then I, of course, do my own assessment and, and have a clear idea. 
but what's important is for them to see it. And the analogy I would give is, okay, so if you're in a business and whether you're currently an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur, that, that will make sense to you. If a business is about to launch a product, they have this idea, they want to launch this product, the next step is not to just launch the product. The next step, whether you do this formally through a business plan or informally in your head, because that's your style, is going to learn about what's going on in the overall context out here. Who else is offering something similar? How much are they charging? Who's buying it? Who could buy it? Who's unaware of it that would possibly buy it? What could come as a competition that will steal your idea? You would be looking at this whole context. You would be looking at what values you have as a company that makes you very well positioned to do this. You'd be looking at all these forces. And so what I'm saying is for our own resilience here, our protective factor to allow us to do what we love and want to contribute to most, both in our professional and personal life, let's use a similar approach. And therefore, if we're taking these steps to create a plan that's very personalized, customized to me in this moment in time, because it will change over time, then the chances, if the plan's done well, of course it will be implementable by definition. And it is, I've seen it in my work. <laughs> okay, all right. So the notion then, if I get what you think we've been missing on this whole resilience idea, is that it is unique to every person in every circumstance. So it might be one thing for you in this six months and another thing for you six months or a year from now as circumstances changed. That it needs to involve a healthy understanding of the context around you, the demands on you, a bunch of other pieces around what's happening in that context. That it has to focus on what is really important to you, not what the world says should be important. And then we need an action plan that says, here's what I'm going to do and here's how I'm going to do it. All right? Yes. Did I get that right? Is there that, anything else we're missing in current approaches? That, that That is a great summary because as what, what you're talking about, and it connects with a lot of your own work in terms of, you know, you can't know it all. So, okay, so we can't hear have the list of the 20 things that possibly we could do and then just think that we're going to do them. No, no, no. We need to shift our mindset, literally, to being strategic about this, identifying the few actions, which sometimes will be one, but then we'll implement it. One action implemented is better than 20 ideas listed over here. And that's this shift in mindset to being strategic that then forces us to be real in this current situation that leads to actions. And the actions are what leads to changes. All right. I get that. You're right. Too many actions means nothing happens. It was a nice list. Thank you very much. Chuck's in the trash can eventually. That didn't work. It's usually what follows. One or two. And I often think you need to, two because sometimes you can't do one. And so you need a backup plan, a backup piece. One or two, no more than three things that you're going to do to implement this piece of the resilience plan that you know matters to you and is needed in your current context. All right, cool. Fair. I get that. All right. Now, um, you start. So before we get forward on this one, what do you mean by resilience anyway? Yes, many there. If you we were to you and I or whoever do a full search on academic writings on resilience, we would find many definitions. More and more, though, and the one I work with, they center around the similar concept of our ability to go through adversity and grow, come out even stronger. 
So go through adversity, additional demands, unexpected, large ones, and we can grow and get stronger. So you can imagine how in order for this to happen, we need to come into this with some level of energy and health. And that's what we're looking to build. All right. So part of the notion of being able to deal with the adversity and grow, I really like that phrasing, is coming into the adverse circumstances with some energy and with some health. Because without that is rather difficult to find the resources and so on to cope with whatever else has been dumped on you. All right. Let me do one more philosophical thing before we dive into the how. And that is when I look across, maybe a couple of people who've been on the podcast who are resilience experts, such an important topic, but people seem to come at resilience with three different schools of thought. So there's the grit school, which says when faced with adversity, all I have to do is just gut it out, keep going, don't stop, don't take no for an answer and just barrel through. Perseverance is the watchword and that will make me succeed. One. Second school is this notion of flexibility. Nope, when faced with adversity, what you need to do is change plans. You need to shift. You need to adapt. You need to adjust to the change. If that didn't work, you try something else. It's that kind of adaptation that's constant. And there's a third school that might not be called the school in some ways, which is really around positivity. So I want to keep a positive framework. I want to look at the upside. I want to be more optimistic. And so I develop resilience by developing healthy optimism. Okay, what do you think of those three schools? Uh, There are elements I love about uh, each of the schools, and I've probably been sitting entirely in each of these three at different points in time, personally, um, as as a leader and as a professional. I think one of the ways, uh, what I would say is the, I would probably propose the fourth one to be strategic about your resilience, of course, connects with the book, but not just that. The idea of being persistent is helpful uh, because it means I'm very clear on how I'm going to approach it and I will stick with my approach. I like that focus. However, if it becomes too rigid, then we're at risk. The approach of being adaptable, love the adaptability aspect of it, At the same time, we could be adapting all the time in different directions and lose ourselves in that adaptability. Again, having a plan helps us maintain the direction, evolve it as needed, but still have a clarity on the direction that's based on uh, where we really are grounded. Um, And then the positive, very good. It's it's helpful from uh, even, if nothing else, a growth mindset and all. However, pushed to the limit can become a liability where we're expecting the good things all the time. And the reality is that not everything's going to turn out that way. So I would probably keep elements of all this and gather all this in a strategic approach, which then allows us to keep all the elements we love about each of these areas and make sure they're grounded in who we are, where we're going, and how we want to get there. I think what's interesting about this all stuff on resilience is I agree with you. All three are appropriate. The hard part is to know which one do I use when. And so hopefully your strategic plan is going to help us on doing that one. Absolutely. Because the plan will be personal to each of us. So we can bring as much of these approaches as we want in it. It will be reflected in your values, which are informing your plan. Okay. All right. I promise I'm getting to the strategic plan for everybody listening. I promise, I promise I'm going to get there and how to do it and what does that look like. 
But um, MHA, you start the book with a really compelling story about being on a trip with, I believe, your husband that just says why a plan is so important. Can you tell us that story? Because I think it really highlights what you're advocating here. Ah, that story. Well, it's, it's, um, so yes, it is with uh, Nick, my husband, and we, we do a lot of um, mountaineering. So going for hikes that sometimes will last three, four, three, depending for eight days in that particular one was an eight day. And it was a traverse that was uh, going through the Canadian Rockies. So you get in somewhere or get out somewhere eight days later. And in a nutshell, what happened in this uh, traverse is that at the end of day one, we were crossing this river and it's a wild traverse. So you have to actually go in the river to cross it. And so because we get to this river, we and we're on day one, so we're fresh, we have all the plans and techniques clear in our head. We pause at the river, discuss plan A, plan B. Everything's very planned and, and structured. Um, Nick goes first as we decided, and then it's my turn. He looks for me. I'm there. We're doing this. Success. Keep going. Through the Traverse, for all kinds of reasons, we actually had to change plan and come back as opposed to completing the Traverse. And so we found ourselves back to that same river eight days later. And this entire adventure was happening in June. Um, So here, a summer month where snow is melting, and it had led to the river, that same river, sort of, (laughs) to be in fact much bigger than it was on day one because of melting, uh, melting snow that made the river much bigger. So we got to this river and because we had crossed it before and we were tired and everything else, whatever, Nick crosses it, we look at each other to talk, we actually cannot even hear each other because it's so big. And so Nick gestures that he's going to come back to me. I gesture, no, 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 stay there. I'll come to you. You've crossed it, right? And then I enter the river and I get swept away immediately. Off my feet, current is taking me head down first the river. I can see nothing. The water is coming, everything. And then I feel this force grabbing me by the backpack and it's Nick that saw this and thankfully he was able to get me on that second side of the river. And of course, we were both very happy that we were both alive in that moment and uh, learned from it. And that's why I talked about this story because reflecting back on it, I, I, I was, and we talked and everything else, we both learned from it, how the biggest difference between that first time and then eight days later was not in fact the river itself. It was bigger, that river, no no, no question there. But the bigger difference is how we approached it and how on day one, we had plans, we had strategies, we were implementing all the actions, we had all the scenarios in mind, all of this. And on day eight, we had let go of all of this. No plan, just taking action and put both of us at risk. And so with with this perspective, I was like, okay. And that is actually what happens to us as professionals and leaders. We're actually, and we've been good for years. When things were a bit easier uh, or the context was fine, we, yeah, we're navigating, we're crossing rivers, moving on. And where we get caught, when I, I talk to individuals who are burnt out on their knees, what happened is not that they lost their ability to do this, is that more demands, unexpected, larger ones happened. They didn't keep a plan, evolve a plan, use a plan, 
and they get taken. And so that's that's a bit of what informed this direction of, okay, wait a second, if we're going to be deliberate, safer, and um, more strategic about uh, resilience, we need a plan. Need a plan. And you see when your mental and physical resources are declined, um, the plan becomes even more important because yes. it's easier to just assume, I know I've got it. And then you launch, even if it's something you've done a hundred times and suddenly it isn't good enough because your mental and physical capacity is not where you need to be. So to me, that says without a resilience plan, when the hardest moments come, you don't have a fallback on knowing what to do. That's right. And But with the plan, you've got options. You've got options. All right. So let's now finally dig in to talk about what this planning process really looks like. So you've got some elements. Walk us through what those elements are. And then I want to go back and take each one piece by piece and get some examples of it, if I can. Yes, yes, absolutely. I've extracted elements of what we use in business again, and paired this with what we know from research. And I go in even more details um, uh, there, but at a high level, elements that we need to have is, because this plan is not going to be my colleague's plan, my neighbor's plan, my best friend's plan, someone who looks and sounds like me plan, it's really going to be mine. So the first place to start is your own values and clarity on those values. We've got a sense, most of us, of you know the main things that are important for us in life. Let's go through the exercise of diving a bit more. So we've got, I often recommend to do it in writing and a good volume of values out so that we have this in front of us. Another key component is in this moment in time and for whatever duration I'm planning this right now, let's say for the next three months, for example, what kinds of demands, sources of demands for my energy, attention, all this, what kinds of demands will be present in my life? And I go both professional and personal. And what kinds of um, sources of supply would be there? What brings me energy? And then I want to also look at the overall context. And those of you uh, used to using those strategic tools, you'll use, yes, the SWOT analysis. In the business, we're looking at um, external and in internal forces. So internal forces, strengths, and, and in business, we would say weaknesses, and external forces, opportunities, and threats. So for us personally, I call this things that make my context easier to support my resilience and harder, and both on the internal and external. So I have a really clear uh, and realistic perspective on all of this. So these are the key components that we bring to the table so that then we can create a plan that takes these aspects in consideration, which then makes it realistic. So this is exactly like you said at the very beginning, when you think about launching a product plan, so our business strategy or a change, whatever, you're saying, what is it that we're bringing to the table? What are our values? Let's be clear about what really matters to us. What are our goals, ambitions, et cetera, et cetera. But then let's look at the supply and demand. And I think this is a really interesting piece of your puzzle where you say, what are the demands that are going to take away from my resilience or my capacity? And what are the supplies that are going to restore my capacity like that? And then I want to look at the, like, and we would say about a company, what are our strengths, basically? All right. And then we would say, 
the overall context. Let's be real that there's stuff going on outside and inside for that matter that are going to help and hurt. So easier and harder. Now we're ready to actually go about creating a plan, but it's that front end homework then that makes the plan so more powerful. Did I get the point the just here? Correct. And it doesn't take long. Sometimes people think, oh yeah, okay. It sounds good, but I don't have five hours to do this. No, no, no. We're talking about minutes. I know no one has two hours for this overall (laughs) planning here. So uh, looking at it from a very, I've got worksheets, I've got clear instructions. I work with people who have no time on a regular basis. That's what I do. No one has time. Okay, fine. There will be a little bit of time that's needed for this, but some homework is one minute, some is two, some is five. It just needs to get done. And then we've got what we need to move to the next step. And do you recommend people do this with a partner, like a colleague at work or a partner at home? I think I, well, that's a great question. I think we want to have conversations about this. I've even built actually the the, the book with questions at the end of each chapter that could be used either, yes, with a, a colleague at work or a book club or whatever, or even on our own. You go to a coffee shop and, and just go through the questions and reflect. So it could be, a, a, you know, on our own or with other people. It's a good conversation to have. The work itself of creating the plan is personal. We can sit together, you do yours, I do mine. We're not going to together create yours, unless it's me working with you professionally, Wanda, then I'll support your plan. But otherwise, it is something that's fairly personal. Very personal. All right. So, okay. Uh, Let me see if I can summarize this conversation. So, one, all of our efforts around being more resilient, which by that we mean the ability to go through adversity and grow, be stronger. All of our efforts haven't worked because we haven't really created a strategic plan. And when we're at our worst place with our least capacity, mental and physical, if we don't have a plan, we're in deep trouble. So the notion is to create a plan. What am I going to do to be ready for this event? To get prepared to do a plan, it's not just I'm going to sleep, I'm going to eat, I'm going to exercise, and I'm going to meditate every day, which doesn't work. We're going to take a real hard dive into the context. So the values, what really matters to me and what doesn't, by the way, Um, what are the demands on my time and on my attention, my capacity, and what's the supply? Um, What is the overall context inside of me as well as outside in the world? What's easy for me? What's hard? What's easy in the world? What's hard in the world? Now we're ready to create an action point plan with two, one, two, three actions, very concrete, very specific things that are much more likely to be done and will get us there. Did I get do a decent job of capturing all of this? Fabulous, Wanda. All right. This is a perfect place to take a break because when we come back, what I want to do is to go through an example and talk a little bit about what would what does this look like in practice? What's a kind of exercise or a kind of question you should be asking yourself so you can see that this can indeed be done in minutes, not necessarily in hours and days. So my guest today is Dr. Marie Helen Peltier, or MH, as most of us know her, the book we're talking about, The Resilience Plan, a strategic approach to optimizing your work, performance, and mental health. And we'll be right back. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? 
For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive, all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Dr. Marie Helen Peltier, MH, as most of us know her. The book we're talking about is Resilience Plan. Now, the notion here, just as a reminder, is that it's great to say, I'm going to do all these wonderful things. But if I don't have a plan that's customized to me, to my circumstances, to my demands and supplies, to my strengths, to my challenges, internally and externally, it's not likely to work. So let's take a page, according to MH, from the best of business strategic planning and translate that into what it looks like for resilience. And again, resilience is about facing adversity and getting stronger, growing. Exactly what we talk about in getting out of your comfort zone. So how much better could we be? All right, MH, from this point, what I want to do is take a look at what this looks like in practice. And I want to get a sample. We can't cover all of the exercises and questions for sure but a sample of what kind of things we would do to evolve this plan and, um, you know, what it looks like in practice when somebody does it. So how do we do this? Yes. Well, Wanda, would you be willing to uh, do an example with me? I'll ask you some questions. I'll weave in some assumptions because like you say, we're going to be very concise about it, but we could just do one together for you now. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. Let's try it. A bonus for me. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so we'll make the assumption as just like if we're building a strategy in business, we would be clear on our goal. Let's say our goal is to increase even more, Wanda, your resilience. And so let's step back then and ta- ta- share with us um, some of your, if we were to do this, we would go more extensive, but for today, maybe give us, give me uh, two or three of your values. What, and don't get hung up on the word values, just what's most important for you in life. Some examples of what would be on that list for you. Uh, Okay. So one of my, um, and the only reason I know this is because I've done a ton of work evaluating my sense of purpose. Thank you, Aaron Hurst for that. Uh, Thinking about what my core, I've done a bunch of exercises on core values. So I can give you a couple off the top. 
but I think I might be different than most people because I've done some prior work. But at any rate, still, one of my core values is about community. How do you bring a group of people together to achieve something, learn something, do something, support each other? And my solutions are always community-oriented solutions. So there is no question that is that. The second driving factor for me is reading my work. Um, It is a value. It is a part of me. It's a part of my identity. I love it. And it's always going to be there. But it's about being able to help the people I work with um, accelerate, be better. Okay? So that is a core. And I think a third core value for me has to do with ideas, with the development of new approaches, new ideas, stitching ideas together, the creative side of that. Now, notice a lot of people would say family, and I didn't say family. And it's not because family doesn't matter to me. It's because my kids are grown up. It's it's a different, we're all in a different phase at this moment in time. So I have the freedom to be a little more self-indulgent at this moment. And, you know, a year from now, that may all change, but right now, that's okay. So I want to give everybody permission to say it might not be family at the top of your list. And I love how you say this because often when I work with groups and we're uh, inviting them to write that list down, I'll say things along the lines of, if you need to shred this list after, you can. Don't do it such that your neighbor, your partner, or whoever could look at it and say, oh, look at this person. It's so good. We're doing it for ourselves. It's for our plan. So really appreciate this. We'll go with these three values for right now just to do our example. For the record, and those are the three, if I don't have those three, I'm not going to be happy. Like that's, those are just the three that really make me happy. So, okay, that's easy. But suppose I didn't know that. Where would somebody start to cover what their values might be? Exactly. Sometimes, literally, sometimes I'll say, go online, look for a list of values just to help you start thinking. Sometimes another way to get at it is to think of moments where you felt very happy, very connected, aligned with what was going on in your life, that sometimes will be an indication that this is something you value that's important for you, right? So these are examples of ways you'll get at it. Um, And then I'll also say sometimes, to your point earlier, you've done work on this for yourself with other people. Sometimes we need another head to help us uncover, discover, explore this. Uh, whether it's because we have beliefs that have taken us away from this and more towards other things, uh, whether it's because we haven't had time to just sit with this. So um, so sometimes, yeah, working with someone else will help us uncover. Okay. All right. So just as a record, if anybody would like a set of values for a list, if you'll send me an email at wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com, I will gladly send you a couple of the list of values that I use. They're out on the internet as well. Just do a search. Values card sort will get you just about a whole motion of list. And there are tons of other ways of going about doing this. Okay, so these are my three. Now what? Now what? Then what would be some examples of what's going on in your professional and personal, whatever you want to talk to us about for this example, but maybe give us four right now. Just one example of something that demands your energy, whether it's something you want as a demand or you don't really want, but it, it is a demand. What would be an example? Um, running a business <laughs> demands more work in the background 
that I don't necessarily love. That's a demand. It takes more time than anybody has any clue about. That's right. You know, the financials, the tax, the filings, the state, the payroll, the blah, blah, blah. None of how many people I hire to do that. There's still all these demands. Yes. Okay. What would be a source? And we would list more than one, but for right now, what would be one example of a source of supply? Something that brings you energy. It's interesting. One of the things that I've learned by wearing these wearable tracking devices that say, you know, your health and, you know, looking at what I'm doing when I actually have this lovely restorative time. And I have discovered that one of the source of energy for me is having five, 10 minutes to read something that I'm just curious about. Hmm. It's not for work. It's not for a client. It's not for a podcast. It's just curiosity. How wonderful. Okay, so that goes on the list and we would look for as many as we can. That's a fabulous example. Now, we won't go through all the forces, internal and external, that are impacting your context. We'll just do uh, one for for right now. If you looked at um, one of the things about you personally, so internal, that helps towards your resilience, what would be an example of that? Just the way you naturally are as a person or it's easy for you? I think I rarely get committed to a single action. I get committed to a general outcome, but because I'm not so committed to a single pathway, I think it gives me a lot more comfort flexing. Now that comes with pro- with cons too, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I yes. think that's one of the things that helps me in the resilience area. Exactly. Okay. So that's wonderful. And what we would do is explore all the other quadrants. How are you naturally as a person that eh, maybe gets in the way? How is your external context yes. helping and also a challenge? So for this particular example, we're not going to go through all this just for time, but we would use this information to then create your plan. Okay. So now I'll just play with this for a moment. So let's say we're saying, okay, yeah, I'm going towards even more resilience. We've covered some of your values, some of sources of demand, supply, some elements of your context. We would do all this in more detail. So then we would look at creating a strategy. And often what I suggest uh, somewhere to start is to create three pillars, three strategic pillars. So three main directions. You're familiar with this. That's even how you think naturally. That's easy for you. But Three main directions. Yes, it could be four, it could be five, but we need to start somewhere and we want to keep this simple. So if we were to help you, Wanda, be even more resilient, knowing what we've uncovered so far in terms of values, supply demands, I'll go to you first in case you have an obvious idea that jumps at you. If not, I'll suggest things. I know we're like on the spot here and that, but you looking at this, the values you've talked about, the sources of demand, supply, the forces impacting your context, are there already directions that you're like, mm, that could be a direction for me in the future or not yet? Because sometimes yeah. we need to reflect. There's one. Well, actually, there's two. I can do this easily because it is on my plan in general about life is I value community so much, but I don't think I have enough ways of practicing it for Mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. I do it a lot for other people, but I don't get to practice it for myself. So one of the things that I would be important for me is what does that begin to look like and how do I find more community? Oh, so the first pillar could be Wanda community, for example. Call it that. Okay. 
What, you said you had another idea? Yeah, the second one is given how much I love ideas, I just need more time to develop ideas with colleagues. So creative time with creative colleagues? Time. Mm-hmm. Creative time. Mm-hmm. Now, that may also mean I have to need a broader set of colleagues on occasion so I can have more creativity. Um, but so maybe we call it creative time or just or either just creative time or creative time with colleagues. Um, and then there will be actions that will be specific to this for example. That sounds wonderful. And I'll just play with ideas to for the sake of creating right. three for the sake of it. Maybe there is uh, an opportunity, just because you mentioned just the, the running a business and all the demands in the background of it. Maybe there is a pillar that we call, I'll play with ideas here, but maybe something along the lines of optimizing business, for example, or optimizing business supports. Mm-hmm. And Quite likely, there are many things that are already as best as it can possibly be. But at times, it was optimized last year or six months ago. And if we put it as a pillar, given that it is a significant demand, maybe you'll find a 5% improvement that will help. Great. Fair fair enough. That's certainly, I'm I'm open to that one. That would add a lot of resilience. No question. It'll take a little (laughs) bit of that demand away. Okay. Now, we got to these three because I had a hunch about two of them. You had a hunch about a third one that made sense. But if I didn't have those hunch, how do I go from the values, the demands, the external and internal, the strengths, what's easy, what's hard in each of those to the three pillars, because that sounds like that's the essence of once I get those pillars, I'm now I can do something with it. You can put actions, right? Because that would be the next step. You would go under each of them and you'd be li- literally looking for what is a concrete thing that could take me two minutes to do. Mm-hmm. And then you would start putting two or three actions under each and, and start uh, executing on, on these. You know, in my experience, what I've often seen is it appears that it appears what happened here it, yes you've done some thinking it happens that it was uh, fairly easy for you to do live here in front of all of us and thank you for having uh, made yourself available for this it appears because you're in and how many times even sometimes just do, doing the supply demand exercise part of this there's just one part of this people will see it and and they'll say oh Obviously, I need to change this kind of thing here. It 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 becomes very apparent. Um, so I have not yet met someone who's who'd be like completely stuck and look at this and don't know. The one thing sometimes that could happen is we're we're hesitant because we're not sure this is the perfect direction. And okay. so then what gets better, what gets done is more important. Uh, done is better than perfect, right? So the idea here is put something down, anything that makes sense. You can look like externalize this if you need it. If this was someone on your team that said, I value these things, I'm dealing with these supplies and demands, and I've got these forces going on, how can I be even more resilient? You'd probably have some ideas, some suggestions. So sometimes externalizing it can help us find ideas. Um, and then the other thing that I find helps if we need it, but often it appears, uh, is just put something down for right now. You can always evolve it. It's fine. We just need to keep moving. What we're not going to do is stay stuck and not put anything down. And in the book, I also give examples. I give examples of what this looks like for other people. So you start seeing it and you're like, oh, 
I, I could try some of these things. Well, and I can imagine some of these might be easy to check off. Like, you know, if we come up with some ideas about optimizing business, that isn't something that has to stay on my resilience plan for the next nine months. It might be, oh, in the next month, I need to tackle this. And then I can go to the next step of my plan because there's plenty of other pillars that we haven't even talked about. And for everyone listening, this was really sprung on me in the in the moment, not necessarily with any prep or advance warning. So it says something about how easy it is to do this for yourself, I think. Yes. And to to your point also um, um, of, uh, ah, wait a second. Oh, it evolves. Yes. I literally had the, the chance because, you know, when you write a book like this, you may at times do, um, anyway, I was encouraged to do that, a workshop to test some of the ideas of the book and early in the process. And so in one of these workshops, uh, someone who was in the workshop pr- proceeded with the whole plan, created the plan and all, and it worked really, w- really well for her. So she decided to invite me to speak to her group of leaders in her own organization. So four months later, we're now in person. The the The, the workshop originally was virtual. I'm in person. I'm doing the same workshop now with everyone. And she's there too. And Mm -hmm. she's just availing herself to the full process. And she came to me after and said, okay, very interesting because I had done my plan with you in January in this other workshop. And I realized now, four months later, how I was completely ready for a new plan because that other plan had been implemented. Things were going, it was happening. I needed something different. Now I was ready to evolve it. So to your point, right? Some things, that's the idea because we're moving in action. So technically, yes, things will move along. Some items may remain longer. It varies, right? Um, But uh, but some will, will be done and we're moving to the next thing. And context changes because we want to keep in mind that even if, we're building this strategic plan uh, on our own for the things we have control over. We want to keep in mind that our resilience is not 100% just in our hands. We are interacting with an environment, say in the the professional context, a work environment. And we know burnout is from the relationship between the two. So we want to do as much as we can on our side here. And sometimes it's not going to be about, therefore I'm I have immunity to this context here. Sometimes it's, therefore, I have now enough visibility. I see clearly what's going on and enough energy to make changes and possibly leave. Okay. Not that we're encouraging everybody to leave their job in the moment, but this helps you get clarity on whether this place is working for you or not working for you as well, which is an important piece. Or what you want to ask for instead. Yep. Yep. All right. So we've done the values We've talked about the supplies and demands, the on our time and energy and capacity. We've talked about strengths and weaknesses for us, strengths and weaknesses in the environment. We've got three, four, five pillars. And now what? Yes, the actions. So Wanda, let's get back to your plan. Yes, can we? Yep. Oh, sure. Go ahead. (laughs) So the first pillar we had, and we made just We'll see it with time, how you're doing. You'll tell me, but let's do at least one. So the first one we had was Wanda community. Ah, mm-hmm. So think of it. What could be examples of actions and go to the smallest possible action, like an action you would be 85% sure you can implement in the next few days. Very small. Oh. 
All right. So an easy one is to do a dinner party and invite multiple folks that I don't see as often and try to use that as an opportunity to create more conversation among people, not just the usual chit-chat over dinner party. Mm, Okay. So that would be an example of action. And often, especially people, you know, resourceful, capable, making things happen and all this. A dinner party is, you know, it may not be tomorrow or in the next, you know, 48 hours. So if you wanted to scale this down even more, you could say something like finding, creating the list of people I would invite and finding a date. That's it. And the date could be in like two or three months from now, depending. So see how you can scale it. Sometimes just creating the list of people who are part of your community Mm -hmm. is a reminder too of that. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So, okay. Love that even more. Action number one, create a list of who is in my overall community. Then maybe there's the list of who I'd invite to the first dinner party. Could be a series from all we know. Could be. Could be. I don't know. You got some other suggestions of actions that you think would work? Well, and I often go with the the person's ideas um, because we would be, it's for you. It's your community. So in this case, if you have other ideas, share with us. That's how we would get to it. But let's say this was, say, mine, and I wanted to do an MH community. Yes, maybe I would start with a list of um, everyone I can think of. Maybe I would even create a list of more on the professional side and more on the personal side, because sometimes it's the same, sometimes it's different. And I may do different things with these different groups. I mean, if it was me, I'd probably not do a dinner party. Number one, I wake up very early. Number two, that sounds like too much work for me. So, but... It's, and that's the thing. That's exactly the idea, right? It very much varies on on how that's going to that how that's going to look like from person to person. But the key component is to have one or two actions which you have already, and that we've scaled them down. That's the key thing. Because the mistake number one, I mistake the the trap we fall into is to say, "Oh, I'm going to do like this big thing, which looks so big, and we don't have time." Yeah. So if we scale it to something very doable, creating a list, you can sit down for 10 minutes and you will have your list. Yeah. So now we're in actions that are implementable. For you, it sounds like a dinner party is something to consider. So, okay, list of people, find the date, figure out how you're going to make it and then go. Well, um, those, everybody knows me, know that I split my time between New York and London. And so I've not been in this London as much lately as I would like to have been in London because, you know, travel restrictions and so all that sort of jazz. So I did not too long ago start literally an Excel spreadsheet of who are all the people in London I want to reconnect with. And they are professional and they are personal. And it's just creating that when you, as I create that list, I realize, wait, I left 15 people off it. Let me go back and put in the names. But the process of creating it makes makes me feel much more connected. So you're right. Sometimes just the list is a helpful piece. Okay. It's a start, yeah. Okay. Fabulous. All right. So any last piece of advice, granted that we're coming down to the last couple of minutes here on I've got my action plan and what if it isn't working or what if I fail to, what do I do then? Yes, I know. Well, Number one, let's stay self-compassionate. It's research-based, not just to sound uh, wishy-washy or whatever. Self-compassion is is something that helps because instead of putting the brain into a threat mode, we're just learning from the situation. So if that happens, most often what I've seen is because 
we did not scale the actions down enough. They stayed too big and we did not have time, capacity, other things happened, whatever. So the, the, the aspect of making them extremely doable is very important. Psychologically, what happens when we make them small enough and therefore we do them is that we build and grow our self-efficacy, that belief that we can influence things, which then allows us to do even more. So I cannot stress this enough. It's very important. So that's one, making sure it going back, making sure it was really your plan, not what someone else wanted you to do, making yeah. sure the actions were very uh, doable. Maybe they were doable, but not enough. Make them even more doable. Um, and, and if really you've tried all this and you think you've done it and somehow it's not working, then I would go back to connect with a professional. Connect. If it looks like something's going on, just life is too heavy right now. Maybe that is a mental health expert, uh, registered um, mental health professional. If it's more on the business side, maybe it is a professional or executive coach to see with you what happened, what got in the way so that you can get unstuck and see what was missing for you. All right. So MH, if I go back over this one, the notion is I'm going to make it customized to me. Yes. I'm going to ground it in my values. I'm going to recognize the reality that my life is, supply and demand, strengths and weaknesses, reality. I'm going to come out of all of that, some pillars of things that I want to achieve. We might say there are goals or they might say progress towards goals or pillars. I like that word that they're just sort of stones. I'm going to put down and say, this is what I'm going to do to build my own resilience capacity to face adversity and grow. All right, and then to make that achievable, I need very small, scalable, simple, two-minute, five-minute steps. There might be multiples of them, particularly if I'm going to do another parties, there's a lot of steps in them, and it may take me months to get that executed. That is okay. But the starting the little bit by little bit when I have moments is going to make me feel more effective feel that I have more self-efficacy, I can take action that will make a difference and help build my resilience. I get that straight? That's right. And then as you share with others what you're doing, you will likely inspire others to do the same. And so we want to stay curious about this process. And, and it's so simple that this book is a very concise book. You can get it on definitely your flights between New York and, and London. <laughs> Slightly longer flight, you can cover the book and uh, come out of your flight with your plan, literally. Great. All right. MH, what a great show today. Um, Dr. Marie Helen Peltier, I get that right this time. The book is called The Resilience Plan, A Strategic Approach to Optimizing Your Work Performance and Mental Health. Hey, thanks for being a guest today. What a great set of tips. And if you'd like to uh, get some samples from all of this, please send me an email at wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com or track um, MH down. I'm sure she'd be glad to answer your email as well. And join us next week for another episode and getting out of your comfort zone. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.